Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicke and I'm here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening, good to be with you. Always a pleasure. And to the headlines. <laughs> Felt a bit newsy. Yeah. So good evening. Fun. Good evening. I Welcome thought it was more room. like a, a late night political... Um, oh, like really serious. Serious sort of... A, to our top story tonight. Yeah. I did work experience at uh, Channel 10 News Ooh. when I was in uh, studying journalism. And my favourite part was that um, with a lot of the reporters, especially the women... They would talk. There was one in particular who would always talk off camera. She would. She had a really high kind of whingy valley girl kind of voice. Can we hear an impression just to paint the scene? Um. So it's my birthday tomorrow. Literally, it was her birthday the next day. It's my birthday tomorrow, Greg. You're gonna remember that it's my birthday. And then when she was on air, thanks, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> You're very good at it. Go again. Commuters were held up for up to three hours this morning due to delays on the train line. That's exactly how she sounded. Who was wow. it? Was it Sandra Sully? Yeah, I was. I interned with Sandra Sully. Wow. Were you? Like, did they ever talk to you about that voice and say that if you want to pursue a job in this career, pursue a job in this career, Jess? Did you want to? 
pursue course a I job in to. this career pursue. or pursue a career in this job pardon me <laughs> to f- rephrase it to make even less sense <laughs> <laughs> did you uh, no, that, that at journalism like, school, for example, do they ever mention that oh, if you do the news, you'll have to speak like a fuck? Like day one. Day one day of journalism w- school. Welcome to the class. Good evening and welcome to journalism school. <laughs> As opposed <laughs> to Triple like J where you do work and where they have to talk a bit of, more like this. Uh, <laughs> dropping uh, next week and they hold lots of... You've gone a bit too commercial there, commercial, actually. Commercial, okay, sorry. Commercial is like, coming up after the break, we're right, going to hear the latest to... from Taylor Swift. What's the Triple J one? Triple J is like, you get to talk really normally, and they say they would say things like, a ah, new one from uh, Julia Jacqueline there of her album, touring next week, actually, so if you're in uh, the area, make sure you check that There's out. weird breaks in words, yeah. and they hold S's. If, if words end with S, they do. Coming up next. That doesn't end with S, but you know what I mean. No, you mean, yeah. It's, anyway, wow. you know is that, that? Do you think that's because I think they're that's ca- taught, isn't it? Ca- is it taught or casting similar people? I think maybe just also yeah, it becomes the style, you know. That's the style at the time. Well, your favourite style, of course, is the nineteen thirties. Yes, forties. Please give us an example. The year was nineteen forty-three. Just loves that. I love it. I love it a lot. Anyway, oh, I think that you should bring that to the time. Triple J your segment. Okay. Nineteen forties, Jess. Yeah, right. God, I'm good at coming up with segments. You are. <laughs> 1940s Jess. What good. does that specifically entail? Um, Jess just reads news from the 1940s. She pretends the war never finished. <laughs> wow. Hitler has struck again. <laughs> that dastardly deeds he's done all over Eastern Europe. Dastardly deeds. That's good. Done dirt cheap. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um... I'm always saying the things that you're too afraid to think. I know. <laughs> you're so edgy. Yeah, real edgy. <laughs> you're too afraid to think. You have dangerous thoughts. Yeah. You're so cool. You shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> he panics. He panics every time. Uh, Jess, it is your turn to report. It is my turn. And I have written the worst question I've ever written. Ooh, you've written some shit questions. Yeah. Mostly because I don't write them. At least you've written this. I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, I wrote it. Um, okay, so I dipped into the hat, and my question to you, gentlemen, is can you name an Oscar winner who was never actually alive? Ooh. What? I don't, so, someone who's never born. So, it's got to be an Oscar winner. The man who was never born. Is that what this episode's called? Because I love it. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful mystery. Mm. So, an Oscar winner. It's a winner. bit of a trick question. Okay, is it because I'm guessing they, it's it's a it's some sort of a, a fictional character, right? Mm. Like a Mickey Mouse type. <gasps> it's Mickey Mouse. It's not Mickey Mouse. <gasps> Winnie the Pooh. No. Doctor Who. It's got to be a big cinematic thing, right? Is mm-hmm. it a Disney character? Uh, technically, yes. Dumbo. Oscar winner. No, not. Is it don't Lambert think, the don't Sheepish think, Lion? Don't think classic Disney though. Oh, Lion King. No, that's classic Disney. Oh, it's um, Toy Story guy. Woody. No. What's unclassic Disney? Okay, stop thinking Disney. Oh. <laughs> Don't think classic Disney. What was the category? Um, uh, best original song. Uh, I believe I can fly. Only a few years ago. Space Jam. Six years ago. Is it Frozen. No, Year Before Frozen. Year Before Frozen, best oh. original song. Oh, so it's a song. So the songs song, are never alive. No, the song won. 
But who performed the song? Oh, a character. Mm-hmm. All right, name the song. We'll see if we get it from the that. <laughs> is it? What's the category? The, the is the category the song or the singer? Song best original song is what they won. But what, I mean, what's the topic of this report? It, well, it's the character, <laughs> and if I say the name of the song, it has their name in it. It has oh, the man. brand. I really feel like we've got to get we've got to get to this theme from Jaws. <laughs> Six years ago, I, I don't know. Just put us out of our misery, I reckon. Yeah, what is it? Well, what if I said, "Who can you name a puppet who's won an Oscar?" Kermit. The frog. Who is part of... The, the Muppets. Muppets. The Muppets. Oh, my goodness. The Muppets. The Muppets are really cool. The I Muppet. like the Muppets. But like, much like Matt. Okay. So no, cool. They, they are so cool. They're so cool. And much like Matt, they've been around for like 60 years. And, and was that the year that they uh, the Muppets, the song written by Jermaine, I mean, Brett, Brett. from yeah. Flight of the Concords yeah. won the Oscar? Man or Muppet. Couldn't really ah. say it, could I? Yes. Um, so a couple of people, so Oscar Hogan Paul and Nick Gurney have both suggested Jim Henson and the Muppets. Oh, cool! Um, as a topic, very cool. Um, and it is it is a bit cool. I didn't. I kind of wanted to look into because uh, I think it's really fascinating that something like puppets has been so hugely successful across so many generations. I don't mean you know what I mean. They're like it seems like that's amazing. That's that's pretty incredible. And Feels I, like we should have moved on. Is that what you mean? Yeah, like technology improved, we don't need puppets anymore. And let's be honest, it, it's not quite a sock. It's not quite a mop. So in answer to your question, <laughs> I don't know what it is. What was their question? <laughs> That's just a Homer Simpson quote. <laughs> <laughs> and he's asked what a Muppet is. It's not quite a sock. It's not quite a mop. Not quite a mop. Not quite a sock. A puppet, not quite a mop. Uh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Got to get a Simpsons reference in. Anyway, so um, yeah, I, I will talk probably quite a bit about Jim Henson, but obviously he's pretty much synonymous with the Muppets, so it's all about it's all about his life with the Muppets. That's great. I mean, I'm excited. Let's get stuck in. Born in Greenville, Mississippi, on September 24, 1936, James Maury Henson was the younger of two children of Paul Ransom Henson and uh, his wife Betty. Betty, great name. And so, is his dad's middle name Ransom? Yes. Whoa. Paul Ransom. I've never heard that as a name. I wonder if he's a big fan of the 1990s film with Mel Gibson called Ransom. <laughs> Sorry, I mean Braveheart. <laughs> Classic mistake. <laughs> you just rolled your eyes at yourself. I've wasted everyone's time again. <laughs> oh, I loved it. Um... He was raised as a Christian scientist and spent his early childhood in Leyland, Mississippi, before moving with his family to University Park, Maryland. How, was is that how you say it? Yeah, because you I, said I was it was Maryland, like a, yeah, where all the Marys go. But Maryland. apparently, that's not how they pronounce it in Maryland, which is near Washington D.C. Um, they moved there in the late forties. The year was late forties. <laughs> See. Um, Jim later remembered the arrival of the family's first television as the biggest event of his adolescence. <laughs> like oh, a, no. Got a TV. First wank didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the saddest story I've ever heard. <laughs> Jim, was it in the top three? <laughs> Come on. First wank. Nah. Is that your number one memory from your adolescence? No. What's the biggest event of your adolescence? Um, it was... Uh... <laughs> The year was 1940. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was, they just invented um, 
something from the olden days. <laughs> the printing press. Printing press. The horse. <laughs> they just invented the horse. Yeah. That was going to make it so much easier. Um, in 1954, while attending Northwestern High School, he began working for WTOP TV, um, creating puppets for a Saturday morning children's show called the Junior Morning Show. After he graduated from high school, Henson enrolled at the University of Maryland as a studio arts major, thinking he might become a commercial artist. So he's a bit of a bit of a, a creative guy. <laughs> I, love, I love it. He's hip. He's happening. He's he kn- 1950s. He knows what's up. Um, a puppetry class offered in the Applied Arts Department introduced him to the craft and textiles courses in the College of Home Economics, and he graduated in 1960 with a, uh, a BS in Home Economics. BS. Oh, not a BS. He's got a BS in Home Econ. What would that be? Bachelor of... Shit. Oh. <laughs> in, in Home Econ. Bachelor of Shit. Science? Probably science. Science, right. Makes more sense. That makes it all even more sense. I just don't think home economics is very scientific. I was lying before. It wasn't the horse. It was my first wank. (laughs) With a horse. (laughs) Matthew. Um, Printing press. With the printing press. Why would you say something that you know you're going to ask me to edit out? And you know I won't. Yeah, I just thought I missed an opportunity back there. I needed to double down on the wank thing. It was playing on me and I'm like, I'm going to... Anyway. Anyway, so I'm just going to keep moving with Jim Henson and his BS in home econ. As a freshman, he'd been asked to create Sam and Friends, which was a five-minute puppet show for WRC-TV. The characters on Sam and Friends were forerunners of the Muppets, and the show included a prototype of Henson's most famous character, Kermit the Frog. Henson would remain at WRC for seven years, from 1954 to 1961. In the show, he began experimenting with techniques that would change the way puppetry had been used on television, including using the frame defined by the camera shot to allow the puppet performer to work off camera. So, you know how that makes sense, right? So they'd frame it so that all you're seeing is the puppet, not the puppet and the All right, puppeteer. before that, puppet, puppetry was pretty unconvincing. <laughs> yeah, like they that, zoomed in on the puppeteer's face. That feels like... So you did, couldn't see anything that was going on. That feels like a fairly obvious thing to think yeah. of. Like, sure, it's hard to do in a live stage show, if that's what you're doing with puppets. Sure, it's hard to hide the puppeteer. But if you're doing it for TV, that seems like a, a fairly obvious choice. But he was apparently... The first one to make that obvious thinking. choice. Forward thinking there. Um, believing television puppets needed to have life and sensitivity, Henson began making characters from flexible, fabric-covered foam rubber, allowing them to express a wider array of emotions at a time when many puppets were made of carved wood. Can't get oh. much expression out Geppetto of carved wood. Style. Yeah. They've sort of got the one fixed expression, you know? Yeah. Because they're carved. How funny is Kermit's expression when he just, like, he, he mushes his it's face in? So funny. Like his whole mouth. That's his regret face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kermit's regret face. It's just mush his mouth. So funny. But sometimes it's when he's mad too. Yeah, that's great Or he's too. like, mmm, in his mouth. Yeah, great. I like when he wears a suit. <laughs> I just like Kermit in general. He's great. A marionette's arm. A, a marionette's arms are, min, are manipulated by strings, but Henson used rods to move his Muppet's arms, allowing greater Rod control strings. of expression. Rod had a, a big collection of strings. He used yeah. his. Rod. Can you bring your strings over? I need to manipulate Kermit again. <laughs> All right. This is the last time. Kermit, you don't mean anything to me. Here are some strings. 
if you do perform well today, though, you can have even more strings. I don't like you. Remember that. <laughs> Is that him manipulating Kermit? <laughs> you know, we uh, had an even younger, better-looking puppet try out last night, and he really nailed it. So that's that's much clearer manipulation. <laughs> I'm still a bit sick. <laughs> Can I use that as an excuse? <laughs> yours, yours is like I, I love you. I love you. I hate you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're manipulating me. You mean nothing to me, but here's the treat. But I don't care about you. <laughs> I'm so confused. It's so weird. So confused. Can I just do the puppet show now? <laughs> Dave was very quick to be able to slip in a manipulation. Oh, man, I can manipulate all night long. Don't challenge me, I'll manipulate you. I don't want to challenge you or be manipulated. Um, Henson wanted the Muppets characters to speak more creatively than uh, what was possible for previous puppets. Um, So he used precise mouth movements to match the dialogue, whereas previously it was like... More of a... Yeah, yeah, whereas now it was much more deliberate and precise. Um, when he began working on Sam and Friends, he asked fellow University of Maryland sophomore Jane Nebel to assist him. The show was a financial success, but after graduating from college, Henson began to have doubts about going to a career performing with puppets. He spent several months in Europe where he was inspired by European puppet performers who looked on their work as an art form. Ah, so before that he had not, just not enough pride in it. I guess so, yeah. Oh, that's actually quite nice. I was sort of expecting their jokes to be there, but that's... A really lovely point you just made. Mm, but puppetry is not an art form, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. It's one step above Riverdance at best. <laughs> no, it's wow. amazing. No, it's amazing. I love it. I think they're awesome. It's very clever. The Thunderbirds, love it. Oh, yeah. When he returned... F-A-B. Uh, when he returned to the United States, he and Jane began dating. Ooh. They were married in 1959 and they had five children. Lisa, Cheryl, Brian, John, and Heather. <laughs> Those people awful, awful do not names. sound like a creative couple, do they? No. List them again. I like Brian, but the rest of those names. Well, they're Jim and Jane, and I mean, they have are... Lisa, Cheryl, Brian, John, and Heather. Oh, so oh. sorry, Cheryl. I am so sorry. They're, f- they're fine names, but they're, I think when you mix them all together, they've just gone rock solid, rock solid, rock solid, Cheryl, rock solid, rock solid. <laughs> you guys like Cheryl? No. Oh, no. But it's not rock solid. Okay. The other ones are like John. You could you could build a church on John. Sure. And they tried. <laughs> if the Bible is to be believed. Peter, it was Peter. Fuck. Bad Bible reference. Straight over my head, known but, but they had 13 years of Catholic little, education. Little known fact is they built a John on Cheryl. So. <laughs> Amazing. Fascinating. Now, despite the success of Sam and Friends, Henson spent much of the next two decades working in commercials, talk shows, and children's projects. The popularity of his uh, work on Sam and Friends in the late 1950s led to a series of guest appearances on network talk and variety shows. Henson himself appeared as a guest on many shows, including The Steve Allen Show, The Jack Parr Program, and The Ed Sullivan Show. Although apparently, Ed Sullivan misintroduced Henson as Jim Newsom and his puppets. <laughs> Good. Newsome. They're marionettes, not puppets, you <laughs> fucking idiot. I think some some of those shows you mentioned are like full classic yeah. l- early, late night American talk shows, right? Yeah. Jim Parr, I've heard that name. Was he the guy before Johnny Carson, maybe? I was watching an interview with Johnny Carson and Jim Henson, and it's like, it's hard to watch. Because it's so good? Yeah. They no, what, what are they saying? No, it's just kind of like an awkward, stilted interview style, which is probably maybe just... Indicative of the time, I don't know, but he has Kermit with him, and it's very Kermit's like 
Kermit steals the show. It's so funny. Everyone loves him. Aww, He's wearing a little like plaid suit. Adorable. I love suits. So good. <laughs> On Kermit. <laughs> I love suits. Oh, I love them. Um, the first, uh, oh, this first national television broadcast greatly increased exposure, which led to hundreds of commercial appearances by Henson characters throughout the 60s. And among the most popular of Henson's commercials was a series for the local Wilkins Coffee Company in Washington, D.C., in which his Muppets were able to get away with a greater level of slapstick violence that might have been acceptable with human actors and would later find its way into many acts with The Muppet Show. Um, so in the first Wilkins ad, a Muppet named Wilkins is poised behind a cannon. <laughs> Another Muppet named Wontkins, get it, Wilkins, Wontkins, I was originally reading it as Wontkins, and I was like, no, it's probably Wontkins. That would make more sense. Um, so Wontkins is in front of the cannon, and Wilkins asks, what do you think of Wilkins' coffee? And and Wontkins responds, never tasted it. Wilkins fires the cannon and blows Wontkins away, then turns the cannon directly towards the viewer and ends the ad with, now what do you think of Wilkins? <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. It's quite threatening. Too, which is fun. And it, just for full disclosure, I really enjoy Wilkins coffee. If anyone's pointing a cannon at me. You love coffee, don't you? I drink it every day. <laughs> six times a day. Six cups. You have six cups of coffee a day? Six mugs. Six mugs of coffee a day. Yep. Do you? Latte. Espresso. Espresso. Fuck. <laughs> cappuccino. What's the difference between a cappuccino and a latte? Several things. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't name one. Cappuccino and a latte. It's just foam. It's the only difference. I'm going to lock in foam. Intr- oh. <laughs> oh. He's a, he's an expert. All right, guys. I don't drink coffee at all. It tastes bad. Why are you putting it in your mouth every day? Stop it. <laughs> Stop everyone. It's a chemical. You bloody slaves to the bean. I've said it before and I'll say it again. And we've never argued with you. We are slaves to the bean. Aren't we, Maddie? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Love the bean. Love the bean. I hate the bean. <laughs> More of a, a Wontkins man. You're more of a Wontkins. I've always said that about you. We're, we're Wilkins types. You know, you're a Wontkins. Um, so in, in relation to this ad, Henson later explained, till then advertising agencies believed that the hard sell was the only way to get the message over on television. We took a very different approach. We tried to sell things by making people laugh. <laughs> the hard sell. Threatening people with a, camera, a cannon. <laughs> Not a hard sell. Nah, we just go for comedy. First, the so this um uh the commercial only went for seven seconds. Um, and wow, a lot happens in seven seconds. It was an immediate hit, and it was syndicated and reshot by Henson for local coffee companies across the United States. He ultimately produced more than three hundred coffee ads. So just to make ends meet, he's doing a lot of commercials is and it stuff al- as well. Is it always Wilkins and Wontkins? No, I don't think it always is. But like the Muppets <laughs> are being used for. It's Nescafe and not Nescafe. <laughs> Nescafe and Nopes Cafe. <laughs> no, what do you think of Nopes Cafe? <laughs> in 1963, Henson and his wife moved to New York City, where the newly formed Muppets, Inc., would re- would reside for some time. Jane quit performing to raise their children because she was actually performing um, with the Muppets like, with him. Um, Henson hired writer Jerry Jewell. J-U-H-L. How would you say that? Joel? Probably, probably H. J U H L, yeah. <laughs> I'm picking on the way you say H again. Sorry. How did I say it? H. Fuck. H. That's fine. It doesn't matter. But who says H? I do. Dave does. Okay, that's two out of three. Fair enough. J U H L. Ooh, Jewel. 
great. Joel. <laughs> My mum says white and it annoys me so Does much. Does she? So I white out. White. Does she say that with every whip, like a whip her? No, but just white. White. Wally. Where is where is my white dressing clown? Wilkins. Sorry about that. Wilkins. 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 It's not all W's. <coughs> Dave Hornicky. White. 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 So she puts the H before and after the W. White. White. Is it? White. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. It's kind of annoying when it's people say, uh, Malcolm Turnbull, our, the Australian Prime Minister, says this, police instead of police. 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 No. Police. He also says medicine and not medicine. Oh, my God. What is he, a toddler? No, oh, he's a toff. That's what he is. <laughs> yeah, so Henson had hired writer Jerry Jewell in 1961 and puppet performer Frank Oz in 1963 to replace Jane while she was... Um, Raising the kids. Henson later credited both with developing much of the humour and characters of his Muppets. So, Hen- so Jerry Jewell, I don't know Frank Oz, but Jerry Jewell. Jerry Jewell was a, like, more of a writer. Cool. Um, Jewell. Henson and Oz developed a really close friendship and a performing partnership that lasted 27 years. Um, their teamwork is particularly evident in their portrayals of the characters of Bert and Ernie, Kermit and Miss Piggy, and Kermit and Fozzie Bear. So Why do they, they both do both? Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Isn't that cool? Um, Henson does a lot of the characters himself, voicing and stuff like that. Um, what a guy. But yeah, just their teamwork is nice. You know, do you think we'll last 27 years? Surely podcasts won't be cool in 27 years. Nah, puppets will be though. Yeah, good point. You can always rely on puppets. Puppets are timeless. That's what I say. Henson's 1960s talk show appearances culminated when he devised Rolf, who was a piano-playing anthropomorphic dog. Rolf became the first Muppet to make a regular appearance on a network show, The Jimmy Dean Show. Henson was so grateful for this break that he offered Jimmy Dean a 40% interest in his production company, but Dean declined, stating that Henson deserved all the rewards for his own work. Wow, that's amazing. And we're not talking about James Dean, though. Jimmy Dean. Different. Different Dean. I'm pretty sure James Dean never had his own chat show. I didn't think so either. I think he's dead by this point too. <laughs> Making it very difficult, but not impossible, <laughs> not impossible in America to host a chat show. You can be whatever you want to be if you believe. From 1963 to 1966, Henson began exploring filmmaking and produced a series of experimental films. His nine-minute experimental film, Time Piece, was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Live Action Short Film in 1966. Incredible. He's a busy guy. Yeah, real busy guy. Um, in 1969, television producer Joan Gans Cooney and her staff at the Children's Television Workshop, impressed by the quality and creativity of the Henson-led team, asked Henson and his staff to work full-time on a little show you may have heard of. <gasps> the Jimmy Dean Show? The Jimmy Dean Show! <laughs> now, I wonder if... Um, could you tell me how to get... How to get to... Uh, Sesame Street! Play school. Fucking hell. <laughs> Sesame Street was seen as a visionary children's program for public television. It was it was going to be huge. It's going to be huge. It was going to be huge, but something bad happened. <gasps> and I'll f- tell you all about it right now. <laughs> at first, at first, Henson's Muppets appeared separately from the realistic segments on Sesame Street. But after a poor test screening in Philadelphia, the show was revamped to integrate the two, placing much greater emphasis on Henson's work. So previously, it would just be like small little. S- 
sketches with that the Muppets did, um, and then they would just have like other segments, and then they they put them together to make it work more fluidly. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just just to make it all just flow. I get it. Yeah, Do you get it, Matt. Oh yeah. He gets it. He gets it. Though Henson would often downplay his role in Sesame Street's success, Cooney frequently praised Jim's work, and in 1990, the Public Broadcasting Service called him the spark that ignited our fledgling broadcast service, which is very nice. The success of Sesame Street also allowed Henson to stop producing commercials. Ah, no more coffee commercials. Um, And he later remembered that it was a pleasure to get out of that world. (laughs) Wasn't a fan. Sounds more like a Wonton kind of guy. Mm, yeah, mm. Wontkins. Wontkins. <laughs> in addition to creating and performing Muppets characters, Henson was involved in producing various shows and animations insets during the first two seasons of, of Sesame Street. So during the first season, Henson produced a series of counting films for the numbers 1 through 10, which always ended with a baker, voiced by Henson, falling down the stairs while carrying the featured number of desserts. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, Concurrently with the first years of Sesame Street, Henson directed Tales of Muppetland, a short series of TV movie specials. Um, They were comic retellings of classic fairy tales aimed at a young audience and hosted by Kermit the Frog. The series included, hey, Cinderella, (laughs) the Frog Prince, and the Muppet musicians of Bremen. Bremen. It always ended with a baker falling <laughs> down the stairs. I think that's so cute. Cinderella. Hey, Cinderella. I'm walking here. I assume is how that would go. Am I wrong? It sounds about right, yeah? It sounds exactly right. Concerned that the company was becoming typecast solely as a purveyor of children's entertainment, Henson, Oz and their team targeted an adult audience with a series of sketches on the first season of the groundbreaking comedy series Saturday Night Live. Cool. Henson recalled that, I saw what Lorne Michaels was going for and I really liked it and wanted to be a part of it, but somehow what we were trying to do and what his writers could write for, it never really gelled. The SNL writers never got comfortable writing for the characters and frequently disparaged Henson's creations. One writer, Michael O'Donoghue, said, I won't write for felt. (laughs) What a fuckhead. That's where he draws the line. I won't. I won't do it. I won't. Real uppity. What a fuckhead. Huh? Nah. What's his name? Michael O'Donoghue. I'm putting him in my book. Yeah, he won't work in this town, Melbourne. Never again. We'll get the word out. Unless he really wants to. Unless he starts writing for felt. Yeah. These are our demands. (laughs) (laughs) Around the time of Henson's character's final appearance on SNL, he began developing two projects featuring the Muppets, a Broadway show and a weekly television series. It's ambitious. Yeah, at the same time. Mm. In 1976, the series was initially rejected by the American networks, who believed that Muppets would appeal only to children. Um. So then Henson pitched the show to the British Impresario. Impresario. Ooh, that sounds good. Impresario. Impresario. Ooh, the Impresario. He pitched it to the British Impresario, Lou Grade, um, to finance the show. The show would be shot in the UK and syndicated worldwide. That same year, he scrapped plans for his Broadway show and moved his creative team to England, where the Muppet Show began taping. The Muppet Show featured Kermit as the host and a variety of other memorable characters, notably Miss Piggy, Gonzo the Great, and Fozzie Bear, along with other characters such as Animal. Remember Animal? Yeah. Animal's the so drummer. cool, the drummer. Um, 
Kermit's role in The Muppet Show was often compared by his co-workers to Henson's role in The Muppet's production, a shy, gentle boss with a whim, a whim of steel who ran things as firmly as it is possible to run an explosion in a mattress factory. <laughs> Carol Spinney, the puppet performer of Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch, remembered that Henson would never say he didn't like something. He would just go, hmm. That was famous. And if he liked it, he would say, lovely. <laughs> wow. So it was a, a subtle a, feedback. It was a real burn. If you went, hmm, you went. Oh, he no. started, people started crying. It was his. It was his hmm. equivalent of, "You are the weakest link." Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> if you got a two hmms in a week, you know you are going to be fired. Out. You're fired, Donald Trump. Hmm. 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 So yeah, he was. Um, Henson himself even recognised Kermit as an alter ego, though he thought that Kermit was bolder than he was. He once said of Kermit, he can say things I hold back. <laughs> I love that. I think that's really cute. Wow, he can go from a hmm <laughs> to a hmm. Is that that's your Kermit impression? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Hello, pig. <coughs> pig? <laughs> You're doing... Are you doing Farmer Ho- Hoggett? <laughs> Doesn't he call Miss Piggy Pig? <coughs> he calls her Piggy. I don't think so. What's her name? Well, you haven't been there for the pillow talk like I have. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you watching the Muppets have pillow talk? That's their time. Hey, it's all of our time. It's not day. Oh, sorry. Gross. Hmm. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Matt does a hmm. Hmm. Do your do the noise you make when you're going along with one of my dumb jokes. Hmm. Mm. Oh. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is that it? No. Oh. I don't know. You'd have to do a dumb joke. No, turns out from now can't from, force him. <laughs> turns out that uh, it was actually Matt going. No good. Yeah. No, no good. good. <laughs> it was his. Oh dear. He's never said lovely though, so that's not good. Um. Okay. So. In 1979, three years after the start of The Muppet Show, The Muppets appeared in their first theatrical feature film, The Muppet Movie. <gasps> the movie was both a critical and financial success. It made uh, $65 million US dollars domestically and was at the time the 61st highest grossing film ever made. Wow, top 61. Top 61. That's where you want to be. Yeah. That's where you want to be. Mm. Ever. 61. Ever, at the time. Ever. And they're puppets. Top 61. Top 61. That's my dream. I really hope the guy that said he wouldn't write for Felt went along and saw how successful it was. Fuck! Fuck! He should have written for Felt. I mean, his show was was pretty successful too, right? Still running, but still. Fuck! Still. I'm looking this guy. What's his name? Michael O'Donoghue. Michael O'Donoghue. It's a good name, though. Never working in this town again. We can remember him. I know a guy called Michael O'Donoghue. Do you? Is he working in this town? Yeah. Oh, fuck. (laughs) As a trivia host. He fucked it. Yeah, well, it. I mean, that's all right. If he's just working as a trivia host. Happy for that? Okay. Let's slide, Michael. You mean just? Wow, Matt. Look, I'd look down upon <laughs> trivia hosts. Okay. It's interesting, because you are one. Yeah. Self, self-loathing I trivia hate, host. I hate myself. No, fair enough. Hmm. Hmm. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching! <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalized results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. (laughs) And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or eBooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Now a song from the film. You may know it, The Rainbow Connection, sung by Kermit. Well, I don't think I know it. The Rainbow Connection for lovers and dreamers and me. I'm really not the Kermit the Frog fan I thought I was. I had to learn it on piano, so I do. Yeah, I do remember it. But well, anyway, I don't know the words. And I could only remember it from the title. It must, that's not where it starts. How does it start? Why are there, are there so, so many songs about rainbows? What's on the other side? I'm not really na- nailing the melody there. I've sort of forgotten it. Rainbows are visions, but only illusions. Rainbows have nothing <laughs> to hide. So when it's to believe them, yeah. wait and see. Someday we'll find them, the rainbow connection. For lovers and dreamers and me. Please cut all that out. (laughs) Bravo. (laughs) So that song that you just heard beautifully um, performed was sung by Henson as Kermit and it hit number 25 on the Billboard's Hot 100. Top 25? Was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Song. Okay, that's genuinely impressive. That's quite impressive. Is Top 25 more impressive for you? Is it Top 25 of all time? It's a banging tune. The Billboard Hot 100. Banging tune. Banging tune. Bang tune. In 1981, Henson directed sequel, The Great Muppet Caper, followed, and Henson decided to end the still popular Muppet show and concentrate on making films. Like, oh, he ended it himself. Mm. Interesting. He's like, we're not doing TV anymore. We're movie stars now, baby. Um, from time to time, the Muppet characters continue to appear in made-for-TV movies and television specials. In addition to his own... Puppetry projects, Henson aided others in their work. This is pretty interesting. I didn't I didn't know this at all. In 1979, he was asked by the producers of the Star Wars sequel, The Empire Strikes Back, to aid makeup artist Stuart Freeborn in the creation and articulation of Jedi Master Yoda. Oh. He helped make Yoda. He does have a little bit of a Muppety value about well, him. There you go. Yoda is cool. And also Frank Oz. 
Right. Voices Yoda. Well, I was about to say, ah. Henson suggested to George Lucas, who was a Muppets fan, that he used Frank Oz as the puppeteer and voice of Yoda. So, yeah, you're right. Wow. I Oz, didn't know that. Oz voiced Yoda in The Empire Strikes Back and each of the four subsequent Star Wars films. So he was the voice of Yoda always. Yoda is cool. Yoda is so cool. So there was no Yoda in the first Star Wars. That's bad that I don't know that, I'm guessing. No. We've really got to get someone in to do a Star Wars episode. He's got to go to the Dagobah system to meet up with Yoda. Right, and that's episode two. Sorry, five, four, five. Five. (laughs) Numbers are hard. It's very confusing. The naturalistic, lifelike Yoda became one of the most popular characters of the Star Wars franchise, and Lucas even lobbied unsuccessfully to have Oz nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. Uh, <laughs> Isn't that cool? Please. Come on. Go please. on. Go on. Come on. He did a good job. He did good. In 1982, Henson founded the Jim Henson Foundation to promote and develop the art of puppetry in the United States. you got to get the message out there. You know? It's kind of like Houdini with the magic. Is it Houdini was doing that? Yeah. 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 It was the same thing. Magic society or whatever. Magic societies and, and Henson. Puppetry society. Henson's just getting the good word out there about I put puppets. them. I put them in the same sort of bracket. Mm-hmm. Puppetry, mm-hmm. magic, Riverdance. The thing with both of them, and maybe Riverdance, is that... They're all really cool is what I was getting at. Super cool. <laughs> is when they're done really well, it's it's genuinely very impressive. It's when it's like shit magicians or crap puppets that you're like, fuck off, these guys are white. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I that, think, I, yeah, that's the same with maybe everything. No, disagree. Disagree wholeheartedly. <laughs> <laughs> I think even the worst comedians are still true artists. So the oh. worst comedians are better than the best puppeteers. <laughs> yes. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Definitely not. As I continue this report about this incredibly impressive puppeteer. Around this time, he began he began creating darker and more realistic fantasy films that did that did not feature the Muppets and displayed a growing brooding interest in mortality. 1982's The Dark Crystal was a financial and critical success, and a year later, the Muppets starring the Muppets Take Manhattan, which was directed by Frank Oz, did fair box off business, grossing 25 uh, million domestically. Fair box off business. I it's like how you phrase that. Fair Real box cool. Off. Thank you. And, and it got $25 million. What's that? 471 all time at the time? Uh, it ranked as one of the top 40 films of 1984. Top 40? <laughs> of that year. 1984? <laughs> However, 1986's Labyrinth. Did you ever watch The Labyrinth? Oh, yeah. David Bowie. Dance. Magic dance. <laughs> no. Um, it was a, it was a, it was similar to his uh, um, Dark Crystal um, film. It was a fantasy, um, and he directed it by himself. It was considered, in part, due to its costs, a commercial disappointment. Um, right, but it's like a, a cult classic. It is now, but it didn't do very well originally. Really, people didn't like Bowie's cod piece. Despite some positive reviews, the New York Times called it a fabulous film. The commercial failure of Labyrinth demoralised Henson to the point that his son Brian remembered the time of its release as being the closest I've seen him to turning in on himself and getting quite depressed. Oh, that's so sad because it's such a famous. Well, that's it. Yeah, as you mentioned, it, be- it later became a cult classic. Oh, hopefully in his lifetime. No, I remember watching. It, well, I mean, quite possibly, but I remember watching it in primary school. Yeah, I saw it in primary school, and as that well. was late nineties. 
and it came out in 86. So I don't think it would have been in his lifetime that it, it sort of reached its popularity. Oh, bloody Van Gogh all over again. <laughs> Except that he had a lot of other successes. Yeah. Now, um, Henson and his wife separated the same year, although they remained really close for the rest of his life. Jane later said that Jim was so involved with his work that he had very little time to spend with her or their children. All five of his children began working with Muppets at an early age, partly because, as Cheryl Henson remembered, one of the best ways of being around him was to work with him. Oh, Cheryl. Bloody hell. I couldn't talk to your dad unless you were holding a puppet. <laughs> Hi, Dad. Um, I got a B at school. Pretty good. Can I have 20 bucks to go to the movies? Why, of course you can. <laughs> <laughs> Be the cookie monster. Brian's like, Dad, I'm 35. Look me in the eye. <laughs> Fucking look me in the eye. I don't know what you're talking about. Dad, meet your grandchild. Dad, just shake his hand. Dad. Shake his hand. You shook his muppet hand. Just shake his real hand. Dad. I Dad. I don't know what you're talking about. Dad. Though <laughs> um, so he was still engaged in creating children's television, such as this successful 80s show... Fraggle Rock and the animated Muppet Babies, Henson continued to explore darker, mature themes with the folktale and mythology orientated show The Storyteller, which won an Emmy for Outstanding Children's Program. Um, the next year, Henson returned to television with the Jim Henson Hour, which mixed lighthearted Muppet fare with the riskier material. Ooh, a bit risky. Um, what happened there was a sort of like normal Muppet, and then like now tonight's porn film. <laughs> yeah. Big Bird got her big birds out. <laughs> Showed her chicken fillets. I don't know. What, I don't need... Big Bird's a man. <laughs> he showed his chicken fillets. An eight foot tall man. <laughs> um, the show was critically received and won Henson another Emmy for outstanding directing in a variety or music program. Okay, what does critically received mean? <laughs> it was, like they they acknowledged that it existed. Well received. We have sent the critics the tapes. They told us they got them. No opinions yet. It was well received, smartass. <laughs> Um, so it did win him an Emmy, but it was cancelled after 13 episodes due to low ratings. Oh, that sucks. I, know, I don't really understand how that works. He blamed NBC for constantly rescheduling the show. That's always that's always a risk, isn't it? It's a bad sign when they're sh- shuffling it around. Yeah. Bloody the kiss of death, that is. Yeah. No, I'm with Jim on this one. Fucking NBC, you pieces of trash. Matt's just taking down the big dogs. We've got Michael O'Donoghue, NBC. The list goes on. He can't help it. In late uh, 1989, Henson entered into negotiations to sell his company to the Walt Disney Company for almost $150 million, hoping that with Disney handling business matters, he would be able to spend a lot more time on the creative side of things. Fourteen years later, after the initial negotiations began, Disney purchased the Muppet Intellectual Properties from the Jim Henson Company for $75 million in 2004. Is that all they paid for? It feels like it would be worth more than that. I, f- I think they must have... I'm not 100% sure on how it worked. I think they sort of bought the Muppets and then later also bought all the intellectual property, like after Jim Henson had died. I see. I'm not really sure exactly how... It, it It's a little bit confusing there. But it basically meant that the acquisition consisted of the rights and trademarks to the Muppets and Bear in the Big Blue House characters, as well as to the Muppets film... Uh, Muppet Films and Television Library. 
but exceptions included the Sesame Street characters because they were previously sold to the Sesame Workshop, um, the Fraggle Rock characters, which were retained by Henson, and the distribution rights to the Muppets Take Manhattan, Muppets from Space, and Kermit's Swamp Years, <laughs> which remained with Sony Pictures Entertainment. Tell you what, like it must be nice being very successful, but it gets complicated, doesn't it? Yeah, I wonder. It's interesting how Sesame Street <laughs> bought the um, Sesame Street characters, the Workshop, or whatever. Mm. But what, is, what does that mean for, for characters like Kermit? There's a few that cross between the two. Or is Kermit the only one? But, yeah, I wonder what that means for him. They Yeah, you're right. Cause like, have rights to Kermit, but then so does Sony for those movies and so does um, Disney or whoever. Mm. Plus, yeah, that would be confusing. It's so confusing. It's like the Marvel thing all over again. Yeah. Oh, it's a mess. Um as part of the acquisition, Disney formed the Muppets Holding Company, which was re- later renamed the Muppets Studio, which was wholly owned, which is a wholly owned subsidiary responsible for managing the characters and franchise. So as a result, the term Muppet became a legal trademark owned by Disney, although Sesame Workshop continues to apply the term to their characters um, under the exclusive license from Disney. It's very complicated. It's a mess. I don't really, I don't, I don't get it. Um, okay, so on the 12th of May in 1990, which is a good year, Henson travelled... <laughs> <laughs> Such a casual add-in, that one. <laughs> Henson, he travelled to North Carolina with his daughter Cheryl, your favourite of his children. Um, Love you, Cheryl. To visit his father and stepmother. And they both returned to New York on the 13th of May, so it's just a, a quick trip up and back. Um, and Henson cancelled a Muppet recording session scheduled for the 14th, so the next day. That night, Henson's wife, Jane, he was, I mean, they were separated, but they were, you know, still, still mates. She came to visit him. That night, uh, Henson suffered a medical emergency. He was having trouble breathing and he began coughing up blood. He suggested to his wife that he might be dying, but did not want to be, t- to take time from his schedule to visit a hospital. Oh no, this Houdini, it is Houdini. It is Houdini. But two hours later, he finally agreed to be taken by taxi to New York hospital. Um, and he arrived there about five o'clock in the morning. Um, he stopped breathing and an x-ray revealed he had abscesses on his lungs. <coughs> he, I think I'm dying, but I don't want to... hey. That doesn't... No, but I'm... The like, logic there doesn't quite connect. I'm the same. If I, re- I reckon I'd be in a similar situation. I don't want to go to the hospital and them tell me that I shouldn't have bothered them. <laughs> I, yeah. know, I know that sounds crazy, but... No, like, no, no, but that's I feel exactly that way, what... like, do... Like, is this... Because I'm not a medical person and I'm a bit of a hypochondriac. Is... This serious enough for me to call an ambulance? I don't know where the line is. I think they would rather you be sure. I think that's probably preferable. But that's exactly what some people... Because some people said because he was like raised as a Christian scientist, um, some people were like, that's why he didn't want to go to hospital. But other people were like, he gave that up in his 20s. Um, oh, right, right. I just, yeah, I just... Jane was like, he just wouldn't have wanted to bother anyone. Shit. That's fine. So. Uh-oh. He's got abscesses on his lungs. Ab- um, he was placed on a ventilator, but his condition deteriorated rapidly despite aggressive treatment with multiple antibiotics. Um, following 20 hours in intensive care in New York Hospital, he died on the 16th of May at 1.21am, and he was only 53 years no, old. No, what is an abscess on the lungs? <sighs> Another one to add to the list of things to panic about at night. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> News of Henson's death spread quickly and fans from around the world responded with tributes and condolences. So it's really quick then. 
Yeah, it was obviously a- he didn't think he was sick like the day before, and then he yeah within within two days basically oh, of do you reckon feeling he'd be- unwell. He was he had passed away. Do you reckon if he'd gone to the hospital earlier, he would have pulled through. Who knows? Have you haven't been feeling unwell at all? Have you lately, Dave? Oh, don't put this on me. <laughs> I've had a cough for about two weeks, and I've been thinking about calling the ambulance for about two weeks. I reckon call a doctor for sure. Maybe not Put your mind at ease. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe just walk yourself down there. Yeah, thanks. I might do it. But I don't want to bother that. Waste I'm their time. Surpri- I thought he was older. He, I guess when I was, I was, uh, I was a kid when he died, he would have said 53 probably was old then. We weren't born yet. Yeah, exactly. You guys were quite young. I said I was a kid. I meant I was... <laughs> no, we weren't born We yet. were quite young. You were quite young. I mean, you're in your, your mama's bellies. Yeah, we're still we're in the we're right up in there. Life starts at conception. You know what? You know where where I stand on this. We do not. No, <laughs> we do not understand. Um, so on the twenty first of May, Henson's public memorial service was conducted in New York City at the Cathedral of Saint John the Divine. Another was conducted on the July second at Saint Paul's Cathedral in London. In accordance with Henson's letters, no one in attendance wore black. And the Dirty Dozen Brass Band finished the service by performing When the Saints Go Marching In. Harry Belafonte. You know whose song that is? I do know whose song the that Saint is. The Saints. I think they. I think the Saints came up with it. I think it's our original How does it go? <laughs> Freestyle. Dave, how do we stop this? Oh my god, okay. Wow, we got the full encore version. <laughs> One more time, Saints fans. That's what they'd say after the game. That is what they'd say. And they'd play it again. If we ever won, we've lost many in a row now. <laughs> At time of recording. I think hopefully by the time of this being played, we've won a couple in a row. Hopefully the finals will have started and you'll be out of your misery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, Harry Belafonte sang Turn the World Around, which is a song that he had debuted on The Muppet Show as each member of the congregation waved with a puppet performer's rod. So everybody had a performer's rod, and they all had... Um, they were having a good time. A brightly coloured... I have coloured... to be very excited to get my performer's rod. <laughs> Talking about somebody's memorial service, you fucking monster. Cookie monster. And it's, <laughs> and it's nice, because they all had different individual brightly coloured foam butterflies on their performer's oh. rods. You got to be real excited for the butterflies to come out, but yeah, yeah, that's. <laughs> you got a butterfly on your rod? Oh my goodness, that means I'm having a great time. No, that's awesome. That's really nice. That's very sweet. Later, Big Bird, performed by Carol um, Spinney, walked out on stage and sang Kermit the Frog's signature song, "Being Green." Which is weird that Big Bird sang it, but it was still sweet. Wow, you know that one, Dave? <laughs> hey, pig. <laughs> that one? No. No, Farmer Hoggett. That's not a thing at all. <laughs> That's the one about it not being easy. Yeah, I know that. I do know that one. No, no, easy being green. You're yellow, you big feathered fucking. <laughs> big Bird was heard to be heckled. Being green? I know it, but I can't think of the tune now. 
We'll have a big listening party after this. In the final minutes of the two and a half hour service, six of the core Muppet performers, Dave Goles, Frank Oz, Kevin Clash, Steve Whitmere, Jerry Nelson and Richard Hunt sang in their characters' voices a medley of Jim Henson's favourite songs, eventually ending with a performance of just one person. Um, It all began with Richard Hunt singing Alone as Scooter. Henson employee Chris Barry writes that during each verse, each Muppeteer joined in with their own Muppet until the stage was filled with all the Muppets performing and their beloved characters. That's kind of nice. Holy shit. I would have been crying, I reckon. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Um, Is this televised? No. The funeral was later described by Life magazine as an epic and almost unbearably moving event. Well, it would have been so uplifting and so sad at the same time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the image of a growing number of performers seeing just one person was recreated for the 1990 television special The Muppets Celebrate Jim Henson, and it also inspired screenwriter Richard Curtis, who attended the London service, to write the growing orchestra wedding scene for his 2003 film Love Actually. Do you remember that scene in Love Actually where... There, somebody starts singing, and then it's like a whole band. Sort of people stand up with different instruments, and then it's, it's really like, oh, there's a whole orchestra here. Really spitting on Jim Henson's grave, Curtis. Don't, don't you? Are you a Love Actually fan? I'm a Richard Curtis fan, oh. big time, big time. He'll never work in this town again. Oh my god! <laughs> now you're turning on Richard Curtis. Richard Curtis is He's blacklisted. He's in the book. Oh my god, I can't go. Unless he writes for Felt. <laughs> then, one demand. Yeah. <laughs> the Jim Henson Company and the Jim Henson Foundation continued after his death, producing new series and specials. Um, Jim Henson's Creature Shop, which was founded by Henson, also continues to build creatures for a large number of other films and series. Um, for example, the sci-fi um, production of Farscape and the film adaptation of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And it's considered one of the most advanced and well-respected creators of film creatures, which is pretty cool. His son, Brian, and daughter, Lisa, are currently the co-chairs and co-CEOs of the company. Where's Cheryl? His daughter, Cheryl, is oh. the president of the foundation. <laughs> All right. All right, Cheryl. We still love you. Fuck, you were sure. quick to jump there. Henson is honoured as both him- as himself and as Kermit the Frog on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Only- that is, that's cool. Only three other people have received this honour. So Walt well, Disney being, being recognised as Kermit the Frog. Yeah. Three other people. Disney and the Bugs Bunny guy. Yeah, and who else? Mel Blank. Mel Blank. Mel Blank is um, for both himself and Bugs Bunny. And yes, you're right. Disney for and himself Mickey and Mouse. Mickey. And who else might be for themselves and their character? It's uh, one that who, I. It, 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 I was kind of like, okay, really? Who played Alf? No. Bart Simpson. No. More recent. Our time. Oh, our time. Bart Simpson's not our time, according to Jess there. You mean even more recently than Bart Simpson? Even more recently than Family Bart Simpson. Family Guy guy? Oh, my God. No, it's not. It's Mike Myers with Shrek. Oh. Oh, okay. Oh, I know. love Mike Myers. Me too, but he I just ma- think he like... He makes me horny, baby. But do we put him on the same level as Walt Disney? Yes. Okay, fair enough. Art is art. Mike Myers. He's giving me a felt rod right now. (laughs) (laughs) He would write for felt, and you know he would. Oh, he definitely would. In 2011, the Muppets were featured in a seventh film intended to serve as a creative reboot for the characters. Disney had been furthering development on a Muppet film since 2008 when it considered adapting an unused screenplay written by Jerry Jewell. Directed by James Bobbin, written by Jason Siegel and Nicholas Stoller, 
It starred Jason Siegel, Amy Adams, Chris Cooper and Rashida Jones. And the film was met with widespread critical, widespread critical acclaim. I, I saw that at the cinema. Yeah, and I enjoyed. I don't usually like musicals, but I enjoyed I that. I loved it. It got an Academy Award win for Best Original Song, like I mentioned at the start, for Man or Muppet, written by Brett McKenzie from Flight of the Concord. Um, hey, it was a great film. And after the su- successful performance of The Muppets, Disney greenlit a sequel in March 2012. Um... And that was Muppets Most Wanted, which was released in 2014. Had Ricky Gervais, Tina Fey, and Ty Burrell in supporting <coughs> roles. I haven't seen that one yet. I didn't though. see that one either. I watched it on a flight, but I fell asleep during it. Mm. The, the cool thing about was uh, Jason Siegel writing it and starring it was that that story that he sort of wrote about himself and forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah. yeah. Remember how he plays the guy like that wants to write sort of Muppet style things, and then he wrote the Muppet movie. What a dream! Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. You know, that one of the guys you mentioned, Steve Whitmore, he, yeah. he was the one who took over Kermit's voice. Mm-hmm. And he recently got sacked and it's broken his heart. But Brian, I read Brian... Um, Henson. Henson. Uh, he, Son of Jim. I, I was going to say Brian Henderson, who was a newsreader in the like 90s or something. Mm. Anyway, um, yeah, apparently he was like, yeah, it was about time. He was a, he was a real... He was, I think he was kind of calling him a bit of an asshole, but I, you know, there's two sides to every story. But of course, Disney gave him the ass. I don't think that was under Brian's control, but gave him the ass. Gave him the ass, the big felt ass. <coughs> so that basically brings me to the end. But I will just recap with, in all, the Muppets have created eight films, received four Academy Award nominations, and one win. Featured in ten different television series. Two TV films, twenty-seven TV specials, and have had a box office gross of over four hundred and fifty million. And that's just the Muppets. Like Jim Henson, obviously did other things as well, but just the Muppets alone have achieved all of that. That's sick. That Pretty is, sick. That is amazing. Yeah. I guess it's the lesson here: mm. you should try and make the most of your time and work really hard because you, it could go at any time. Or don't work too hard because it, you'll wear yourself out. And it could go at any time. Yeah. I worry about that. I think about that. Like, would he have lived longer if he hadn't worked so hard? Or would that have happened anyway? So it was great that he made the most of his day. And if he didn't work so hard, would he have been as happy? Was he happy? You know, there's a lot of questions questions. there. It's like a Jerry Springer final thought, isn't it? Hey, look after yourselves. (laughs) And And each each other. other. (laughs) No, wow, that's an amazing guy. Yeah. Cool dude. Great beard. I like him. Yeah. Always have. I like him too. And it was one of those situations I was reading about him. I was like, wow, he's really impressive. I hope he doesn't turn out to do something creepy yeah. later in life. Charlie the, only, the only saddish part was when his wife said that his work meant that he didn't have any time for his kids. Oh, fuck. Mm. That was a bit brutal. Mm. But I think we can all describe him as lovely. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shut me down there. <laughs> Um, but as always, we need to obviously thank thank some people. We need to thank everyone that's listened to this episode. Thank you so much. If you are new to the show, we do appreciate that. We don't often shout out to the new people, but uh, go back and check out all our episodes. We do. Uh, I, I imagine that people find different topics when they're searching for them. So if you found the Muppets, thank you so much. Uh, we'd like to thank people that support us on Patreon, which is... Uh, the way that uh, some of the listeners uh, can give back to the show and keep uh, the well-oiled machine running, we need we need felt for our puppets. Yeah, that's what we need. Are we the puppets? I think so. Cool. I think we are. Can and I thank someone? 
I'd, we'd love to thank some people from Patreon that support us over at patreon.com slash pod. Who we got, Matt? I got I got a maybe my favourite guy from Coventry in England. Oh. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Jerome Williams. It's a real rock solid name. That, Jerome, uh, Jerome Williams. Williams. Yes. Rock solid. I was describing um, boring names as rock solid before. I mean, this one is you could use this for anything. Yeah, name, that's a, that's a name versatile. Name a scenario, a person in any scenario. Author. Jerome Williams. Mm. Author Jerome Williams. Please make him welcome to this book recital. Famous scuba diver. Scuba diver. Please make Jerome Williams welcome as he dives into the water at this book recital. You know, any <laughs> Sing scenario, a songwriter. Sing a songwriter. Please make him welcome to the stage. <laughs> Jerome Williams as he dives into the water below at this book recital. <laughs> it would work for any name whatsoever. Jerome Williams. So good. So good. I'm going to n- name a character. Next time I write something, there's going to be a Jerome Williams in it. Oh, wow. What an honor to you, Jerome. <laughs> Shut the fuck up! Oh God. <laughs> I, I can't. I can never just be nice to you. You don't. You never believe me. I'd also love to thank uh, a Perth man. I, I'm assuming Perth, Australia, not Perth in Scotland or another Perth. But anyway, no, it is Perth, WA. Perth, WA. Uh, Chamath. Sorry, Chamath Wujaratni. What a fucking legend. I like to call him Chummy Boy because that's his email address. But <laughs> sick name again. I got a couple of banging names. Cham- Chamath. Wujaratni. Sorry, I'm going to say that one more time. <laughs> Chamath Wujaratni. I feel like you may have mispronounced Chamath's name so badly that even he hasn't recognised that you're talking about him. <laughs> He's laughing at home going, <laughs> Chamath- Hate to be that guy, have his name mispronounced after pledging to the show and supporting him. Oh, hang on. No, I've na- I'm nailing this. Chamath Wujaratni. That's it. No doubt about it in my mind. Thanks, Chamath. No doubt, no doubt. I would like to thank some people. May I? Please. Thank you so much. Um, I would like to thank big supporter of the show, all the way from Canada, some of the nicest people in the world, including Dean Brett. Never Dean trust Brett. a man with two first names, except Dean. I reckon. I reckon I what can about trust Matt Dean. Stewart. Mm, no, I've only just realised. <laughs> oh, I've never thought of you having two first names no. either. Stewart's traditionally a surname. The way you've spelled it, yes. Yeah. Anyway, Dean, Brett, I think we can trust. I think that rule, he'll be the exception to that rule. Thanks, Dean. We'd love to come to Canada one day, so hopefully you'll be our number one ticket holder. And uh, maybe you could even let us sleep in your guest room. Oh, I wonder if he's got a moose house. That's not too much to A moose house? Yeah, we could sleep. You know, in California, like on the OC, they have a pool house. <laughs> <laughs> I assume up in Canada they'll have a moose house. That's a great assumption. So I'll just have a little house next to their moose. <laughs> is the fridge filled with chocolate mousse? Yes. Sick. My word it is. By law. Oh, oh, my word it is. And I would also like to thank, a little closer to home, in fact, very close to uh, where I grew up, in Clayton, Victoria, Vivian Richards. Viv v- Richards? The Vivian Richards? Vivian Richards. The famous... The master blaster. West Indian <laughs> cricket player. Now, of, now lives in Clayton. One of really? the greatest batsmen of all time is subscribing to our podcast. That's cool. Viv! I, I went to uni in Clayton. I didn't know the great man was nearby. Mm-hmm. I feel... That I fear that this may not be, it may be a different Vivian Richards and has learnt to cop this their whole life. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and now here we are. So thank you, Vivian Richards. Vivian Richards, unisex name, Vivian. I wouldn't, I didn't. Can be, can be both. I definitely thought that was a female name. Hmm, I wonder. I wonder what we've got here. But, I, I mean, I'm 
I've been wrong before. I've only known two Vivians, Viv Richards and Vivian on The Young Ones. Adrian Everson's character, yeah. Ah. What about Vivian Richards in Clayton? I've three, possibly, depending on Viv's gender. <laughs> oh, only, th- only two male Vivians. Male, that's what yeah. I'm saying, yeah. So, were you thinking it's a... Anyway, doesn't matter. We don't see bloody sex here. No, and we're not going to assume... We very rarely see sex. Here. I wish I could see sex here. Oh. <laughs> I'd love to thank, yeah. if I may, a uh, long-term supporter of the show. Big time and big thanks. All the way, they're living in Cumbria in England. And I would like to thank Scott Clark. Oh, Scotty. Scotty. Scott Clark, we appreciate a lot, uh, lot of support. Clarky. Over, over the time from Scott Clark there. Thank you. Scott Dog. Scott Dog. I'm so sorry. I'm just following what he's saying. Scott Dog, we have a wiener. <laughs> and I would also like to thank from Cumbria to San Bernardino in California. Oh, California. Oh, no. I, I reckon that this person may have a pool house. Wow. And they may live in Orange County. No shit. And I think they may know Seth. From the wrong side of the tracks? Yeah, the, the other guy. Ryan. Was it Ryan? Ryan's the bad boy. The bad boy. And I feel like this might be a bad boy. The bad boy of San Bernardino, Christian Espinoza. Oh, that is a cool (laughs) That's a a cool California name, isn't it? Christian Espinoza. Great name, Was there a Simpsons character called Espinoza? No, there's someone... Not that I can think of. There's a character in Castle called Espinoza. Uh, I'm sure you're probably thinking of that. Yeah. Cop in... Yeah, right. See, Espinoza, Espinoza, yeah. My mum and I love that show. I'm thinking of it, yeah, it's a cop called Espinoza. Yeah, it's Castle. Well, Christian, thank you so much for all the support. Mate, you're the king of our castle. And hey, can I just say thanks to you guys? The listeners at home? Nah, you two specifically, (laughs) Matt, Stuart and Dave Warnicky. Sure, what what happened? No, just for being you. What's your angle here? No, no angle. What do you want? Nothing, I don't want anything. Money? Just wanted to... Yeah, just say thank you. I think you, you're really great. You're good friends to me. You're very supportive. I can't take this seriously. What no, is she? Just want to say thank you. Is this another bullying tactic? Is she telling me that I'm so cool now? I think so. You are both so cool. Don't drag me into this. Matt is so cool. <laughs> come on. Sorry, Matt. I have to turn on you. Otherwise, everyone will bully me. Well, how come you assume I'm I'm bullying when I'm trying to be nice? Yeah. I All right. Know. I accept and I th- I appreciate your thanks. You're I welcome. do not reciprocate. Interesting. <laughs> but I accept it. So thank you. And uh, thanks to everyone over at patreon.com slash do go on pod who supports the show. Neither it's of really you want cool. to thank me? Or? <coughs> oh, I'd love to thank you, Jess, but I just can't. <laughs> I just could not bring myself to do it. Fair enough. I'll thank you off air. <laughs> I'll never go on the record as thanking you. The, the friendly people at home don't need to hear this. <laughs> no, no. But if you uh, do log on to Patreon and support us there, you get bonus episodes you can yeah you can get a bonus. there's all these different reward tiers and you can get a uh, shout oh, out oh man how sad does that sound reward, reward tiers. tiers we'll cry into a little jar and send it to you <laughs> hey if you pay us enough i'll do it i'll do it you still haven't humped a watermelon you asshole that's because <laughs> that's because you refuse to film it you refuse i do not refuse i've refused to look but i will press record and, and leave the room <laughs> all right i'll do it i will be doing it uh, but thanks so much, guys, for uh, getting in. Thanks so much for supporting the show, guys, over at Patreon. And uh, if you want to get in contact at any time, patri- patron or not, uh, the email is always open, dogoonpod at gmail.com. 
And you can get in contact on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at DoGoOnPod. All the links to all our social media and stuff is in the description of the episode. We have such tiny portions of, of our listeners who follow us on the social medias. If you don't, you should do it. We give we do extra stuff on there. Yeah, we do heaps. I mean, you don't have to. <laughs> Fuck, I hate myself already. What do I... <laughs> do whatever you like. I'm sorry. <laughs> why, why was I jumping on them? They're fine if they don't want to... <laughs> But I'd lo- the show, I don't have to... I'd love it if they did, though. That'd be nice, but... I'd say you become a f- one of our favourites is uh, interacting with us. Yeah, we, we get to know your name. But anyway, uh, next week, uh, I did a vote for the first time out to everyone. So if you follow us on social medias, you'll see uh, stuff like that when it pops up. I did a vote. Uh, anyone could vote, Patreon or not. On what topic you're doing. On what mm. topic I'm doing. It's going to be a Canadian topic next oh. week to celebrate some sort of Canadian milestone, which hopefully I'll figure out what that is by next the week. The 150th birthday of their country. Yeah. All right, and uh, yeah, of course, you can get in contact at any time, suggest a topic, but until next week, we will say, uh, be good, and I will say, goodbye. Later. Bye. Thanks, Jess. Appreciate you. Oh, no, is this not still recording? No, this is fucked. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean... If you want, it's up to you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.